Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. The Algonquin Nation. And before we begin, um, as New Democrats, we want to think of the women murdered at Ecole Polytechnique, their families, the sacrifice, and the commitment that we need to make as Canadians to make sure that this kind of horrific violence against women and girls will never ever be perpetrated again. So Prime Minister Trudeau goes to COP26 and makes a series of dramatic announcements to increase the targets that Canada had promised at Paris. But what he didn't tell the world is that the government has failed to meet any of the previous promises that he has made. In fact, the Environment Commissioner clearly wasn't buying the COP26 sales pitch because he blasted the Liberals for going from, quote, failure to failure in missing key climate change targets. The Liberals don't seem to understand that unless there is a clear financial commitment that includes workers and their families, Canada will continue to fail on the climate front. Concrete commitments to workers through investments in new clean energy and infrastructure projects will be key to meeting our targets. And it is even more essential for the government to utilize the skills of Canadian energy workers in order to build trust in this so-called just transition. We compare with Joe Biden, who went to COP26, where he promised massive financial investments in clean energy that is tied to what Joe Biden calls good-paying union jobs. We have had no such language from the Prime Minister. What we did get were promises backed by a record of failure. For example, Mr. Trudeau at COP26 promised to decrease methane emissions by 75%, and yet his government isn't close to meeting their previous target 45%. And what makes this so unacceptable is that the technology is available to drop methane emissions to near zero. The only thing we're missing right now, it appears, is political spine. Mr. Trudeau at COP26 promised an emissions cap on greenhouse gas emissions. So where is that cap? When does it start? What does it include? These are the questions that we need answers to because under his watch, emissions have continued to rise despite his positive rhetoric. Last week, Resource Minister Wilkinson told the House that Canada's environment record was the envy of the G7. This is simply not true. Since Trudeau made his promises at Canada, according to the Environment Commissioner, Canada has become the worst performer in the G7 nation. So why is this? Well, consider this. Right now, we are at the very bottom of the G20 when it comes to investments in renewable energy. We are down there with Russia and Saudi Arabia. So without those investments, we are never going to make our targets. And this brings us to the heart of the problem that's confronting Canada today. Because as an energy-producing nation, we cannot allow ourselves to be at the back 
of the pack when it comes to investing in clean tech. Over the last four years, we have seen major investment firms, insurers and bondholders announcing that they are pulling out of Canada's energy sector because of the lack of action on climate change. So is this how Prime Minister Trudeau will manage the transition? By a steady bleed off of investment and jobs. It is unconscionable that the government is failing to work with energy workers on transforming our economy to meet the challenges it faces, the urgent challenges we need face right now. So what needs to be done? Well, the RBC has pegged the price of investments at $57 billion a year in clear and targeted investments. Clean Energy Canada states that the task will require Canada to undertake a massive investment in renewable energy. But the upside of this massive spending is that it will create 200,000 jobs as compared to the situation now where we're just watching the bleed off of jobs. We're here this morning as New Democrats to say we will stand up for Canadian workers and the environment and at putting in place a plan to address catastrophic climate change. We will reach out our hand to the government and work with them because the stakes are so high. But to do this, the Prime Minister needs to understand that spin will not cut it. We need to work on a serious investment plan with commitments to make this change a reality. Le Premier ministre s'est rendu à la COP26 afin d'annoncer des engagements dramatiques pour augmenter les objectifs que le Canada avait promis au Paris, à Paris. Mais la réalité est claire. Le Canada n'a pas répondu aux objectifs de Paris. À Glasgow, M. Trudeau promet des normes plus strictes pour diminuer les gaz à effet de serre, mais les émissions continue de augmenter. Alors, que faut-il faire? Le NPD exige que le gouvernement mette en place un plan d'investissement pour le développement des énergies renouvelables. Monsieur Trudeau, Trudeau doit s'engager envers les travailleurs du secteur d'énergie et à utiliser leurs compétences pour assurer la transition vers une nouvelle économie énergétique. La réponse à la crise climatique doit être basée sur la collaboration avec les travailleurs, les travailleuses et les familles. Et c'est nécessaire pour le gouvernement de mettre en place un plan d'investissement massif pour le Canada devient un leader dans la lutte pour la justice climatique. I will turn it over to my colleague from Edmonton now. Thank you, Charlie. Thank you all for being here today. My name is Heather McPherson, and I am the Member of Parliament for Edmonton Strathcona. And I have to tell you that what I have been fighting for in the House of Commons since I have been elected is, is a strong future for Alberta. Alberta is facing a dual crisis. And this is a crisis that we have been seeing coming down the road for a very, very long time. And that crisis is a climate crisis, a climate emergency, but also an economic crisis. Unlike any other region of this country, Alberta is facing an economic devastation if we do not do what needs to be done 
to invest in our workers. If we do not do what needs to be done to invest in a new economy for Alberta. You know, I am a, I'm a proud Albertan. My dad was a trucker. I grew up with oil and gas workers sitting around my kitchen table. And I can tell you that those oil and gas workers, they helped build this country. Alberta contributed to the building of the Canadian economy to Canada. And we are now in a situation where if we do not invest, if we do not support those workers in Alberta, we will not be able to meet our climate targets. There is no ability for Canada to meet our climate targets, for Canada to, to reinvent itself in a new future-looking economy if we leave Alberta behind. And what I'm seeing from this federal government is a failure to invest in Alberta, a failure to invest to the scale and the scope that we need to ensure that the economy in Alberta can go forward, that workers in Alberta can, be, can use their skills and their expertise to build a new economy, um, and that Alberta doesn't get left behind. So I'm happy to take questions from, from, from you all today, but my, my fight in the House of Commons for the last two years and continues to be to get help for the workers of Alberta. And I want to thank Charlie Angus for all the incredible work he has done to, um, to push for this. Thank you. Uh, good morning, guys. David Aiken from Global News. Good morning, uh, David Aiken. Good morning, Charlie. Um, Heather, I wonder if I can get you to put your foreign affairs critic hat on just for a bit. Um, we had the news this morning that Ambassador Barton will leave his post as uh, ambassador to China at the end, mm -hmm. of the end of the year. And so that gives us an opportunity. I wonder if you have some thoughts about Ambassador Barton's time uh, in China, and where do you see the government's handling of the relationship with with China at this point? Absolutely. Well, thank you for the question, and I and I think we as Canadians we all thank the the ambassador for the work that he's done. Certainly, his work getting the two Michaels back onto Canadian soil is 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 wonderful. Was wonderful news. However, you know we still have Canadians that are that are being held hostage in China. Um, and I think that the government has been has been weak on developing a plan for China, and I'd certainly like to see a stronger uh, plan going forward to ensure that that our relationship with China, you know, moves in the right direction. Uh, so I'll thank the ambassador for his work. I look forward to the next ambassador being being announced, and hopefully a stronger, more coherent, more holistic plan on China. Um, Watching the Harper government over its decades struggle with the Chinese relationship, at first it sort of placed human rights or seemed to place a, a more emphasis on human rights, democracy, rule of law. But by the end of that, it recognized that, particularly for Western Canada, a lot of stuff is sold to mm -hmm. China, canola, energy products, and it sort of tilted back towards a commercial relationship. Seems the Trudeau government started out that way too. It wants to do free trade with China, all sorts of things. So w how do you find the balance? Would you tend to emphasize, you know, a country that is committing a genocide against Uyghurs over energy exports. Well, you know, I think I think when we do that that dichotomy, that's that's a bit of a mistake. Of course we need to be we need to be looking at human rights issues. Of course we you know we we have to act on the fact that there is a genocide happening right now in the world. Um, we are a country that that cherishes human rights, that cherishes the rule of international law. Uh, so having a genocide being perpetrated against people in this world means that Canada has to speak up against that, has to push on that. Uh, but we also have a number of tools within our toolbox. You know, we can be using soft diplomacy. We can be using a number of different tools to make sure that our relationship with China is productive and that we are bringing China back on, on um, the side of international law. And I'll also say, you know, Canada is a middle power. We 
clearly need to work with our allies. We clearly need to work with others in um, in Europe, with our with our friends in the United States, to to bring China back onto that on that side of international law. That's that said, it's complex, and this is a complex issue, and it will require some very serious hard work by this government that I, to be perfectly honest, don't feel it has been has been accomplished. Hi, it's Annie Bergeron-Oliver with CTV National News. My question is also for you, if that's okay, Ms. McPherson. Um, I'm just going to follow up on David's question. The Americans are expected to announce today that they're going to have a diplomatic boycott of the Beijing Olympics. Do you mm -hmm. think that this is something Canada should do as well? I do, and and there's a there's a few reasons why I think we need to we need to boycott have a diplomatic boycott. Part of it is that, frankly, I'm banned from China. We have parliamentarians in our House of Commons that have been banned by the Chinese government. That means that if we did send a diplomatic mission, that, that, that China, in fact, is choosing who gets to go on that mission, because we have members of our House of Commons who have, who have lost the ability to, to be part of that mission. Um, that in and of itself, to me, is problematic. Uh, but also, I think that there is, you know, there's huge problems having the Olympics in Beijing, uh, knowing that there's genocide happening in that in that country, uh, knowing that our government has voted unanimously and our opposition, our House of Parliament has voted unanimously on that genocide. So, so I think that we need to send a message to Beijing that that the world is watching, that the world is paying attention, that that we are not going to allow this to go to go unchallenged. Great. And uh, second question, it can be for either one of you. The Finance Committee today is going to be looking at the new um, pandemic aid package that the government has proposed. Freeland is supposed to be up today talking about it. I know the NDP has said that they are not in favour of ending any of the pandemic benefits in this transition. I'm wondering what you want to hear from um, the Deputy Prime Minister today. We certainly, um, the issue of how pandemic spending is taking place is is a vital question for Canadians. This is this is something we, we need answers for. I'm really pleased that the Finance Committee is meeting because the Prime Minister hasn't shown any willingness to have any of the other committee meetings uh, come forward. The Deputy Prime Minister needs to send a message that the government understands that we are not out of COVID by any means at all. We are still seeing major uncertainty. I was just speaking with workers who um, uh, work from home right now who are in the travel agencies travel business, travel is being hit, tourism is facing major hit, restaurants are hanging by a thread. And we need to remember as well that many businesses have burned through their savings and their capital. So if we're hit by any further downturns come January, it will have a huge impact. The government has to do the heavy lifting to get people to the other side. I want to hear that the Deputy Prime Minister is willing to be there for Canadian workers and uh, small business. Hi, David Thurton from CBC News. I'm just, just help me understand this. So what is the path forward that you're proposing for workers? Uh, are you proposing like a specific dollar amount that you'd like to see the government give to Alberta to support workers each year? Are you going to be proposing legislation? Do you see an opportunity through the just transition legislation the government has been promising to table and to have debates on? We haven't seen it. Can you specifically tell us what do you think the path forward here is? Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
When we recognize that Canada has fallen to the bottom of the G20, the very bottom, on investments in renewables, and we are an energy-producing nation, that is scandalous, that we are at the bottom of the G7 on dealing with our um, emissions targets. We're saying to the Prime Minister, you don't get to go to Paris and make grand pronouncements unless you have a clear plan. That clear plan must include workers because it's about making the investments in the new energy economy. We have huge potential in Alberta with geothermal. We could be putting workers on the ground right now. Hydrogen in Edmonton, there's huge plans underway. Where is the federal government? So we're saying to the Prime Minister, he needs to be realistic. To, in order for us to get to a clean energy transition, it has to include workers. And one of the reasons that we're speaking up today on Alberta, but certainly for energy workers in Saskatchewan and Newfoundland as well, is that we have an incredible level of expertise in Canada's energy sector. So rather than fighting the old battles of the 20th century, why are we not using them, uh, these workers and their skills for the 21st century? We haven't seen any of that kind of language from the Prime Minister. I challenge Seamus O'Regan, why don't you move to Calgary? If you're going to be the Labour Minister where the transition is already happening, set your office up in Calgary and start working with them now. Wilkinson, get out there to Edmonton and Fort Mac, start working on the ground because right now we're hearing talk and talk's not getting us anywhere. I, I wanted to ask both of you about a story that my colleague Kyle Bax has out. It's top of the our website right now. It's about um, the federal government has begun developing regulations to allow oil sands sites uh, to release basically treated tailings water back into you know the environment into the Athabasca River. Um, what's your response to that, and what's your response, especially knowing that? You know, these are huge tailings ponds and there are worries about the structural integrity and if we just keep storing the water there, those worries about the structural integrity of that water is just going to grow. So what is your thoughts on that, given that the solution isn't just as easy as just saying, don't release the water? <laughs> well, I think the issue here is that, you know, certainly in the last year we, with the high price of gas, the oil companies have made extraordinary profits. Um, we have... 300 and some thousand abandoned uh, orphaned wells in Alberta right now. We don't have a credible plan for the cleanup. We have huge tailings um, that will affect the Athabasca River. So if we're going to start talking about releasing water into the Athabasca River, um, we need to know that there is a strong financial commitment to total safety. Safety, number one. Environmental safety, number one. And these companies are responsible for that. To cry poor after making the kind of money they've made uh, is not acceptable. I come from a region where we've seen devastation of waters, the Metachewan River from uh, breaches and tailings dams. These tailing dams uh, uh, in northern Alberta are much larger. So there, the energy, the environmental cleanup has to be, we have to have a plan. And right now, I'm not feeling reassured that the government is saying, okay, we'll just release some water and we'll see, we hope for the best. These companies made the money, they have to put it back into an environment. Is that? May I? Yes. Thank you, David. That's a, that's a great question. You know, I met with Chief Adams from the Athabasca Fort Chip Nation just a, just a little while ago, and, and imagine living downstream from, from those tailing ponds and what they are facing. Now, one of my big concerns has been that during COVID, water testing in that area was shut down. It was deemed too dangerous to do water testing in that area 
uh, not too dangerous to continue to do, you know, oil exploration and whatnot, uh, but too dangerous to test the water. So, so there's a lot of problems with even just the way the process is being done. Um, we need, to, we, as Charlie said, we need to have these these companies committing to do this as safely as possible and to reclaiming the the spaces that that are damaged. That, that there needs to be more effort being put into that. The companies know how to do this. We've been calling on the government time and time again when it comes to things like cleanup that there are strings attached. That it is that we are ensuring that the money is going to where it needs to go. That it is protecting workers. That it is protecting the environment. And time and time again, the government has failed to do that. The money goes to the CEOs. The cleanup doesn't happen. Everything is done at a much lower level of quality than we need to see. And and frankly, for those living living downstream of those tailings ponds, they have been calling for action on this. They have seen this train coming down the tracks for a very, very long time. And so the fact that we're in a situation now uh, where we have not dealt with it for, for decades is, is, you know, a full failure on the, on the behalf of both the Liberal and, and previous Conservative government. Now I'll check on the phone. Operator, do we have a question on the phone? Thank you. Merci. If you have a question and you're using a speakerphone, please lift your handset before making your selection. If you have a question, please press star 1 on the device's keypad. You may cancel your question at any time by pressing star 2. So please press star 1 at this time if you have a question. There will be a brief pause while the participants register. Nous allons maintenant prendre des questions du téléphone. Si vous utilisez un téléphone main libre, S'il vous plaît, soulevez le combiné avant d'effectuer votre sélection. Si vous désirez poser une question, veuillez, s'il vous plaît, appuyer sur les touches étoiles 1 de votre appareil. Vous pouvez à tout moment annuler votre question en appuyant sur les touches étoiles 2. Alors, s'il vous plaît, appuyez sur étoile 1 maintenant pour poser une question. Il y aura un court délai vous permettant de vous enregistrer dans la file d'attente pour la période de questions. Merci de patienter. Once again, please press star 1 on the device's keypad if you have a question. Yep. De nouveau, n'hésitez pas à faire étoile 1 sur votre appareil pour toute question. There are no questions registered at this time on the phone. Il n'y a pas de questions à ce moment sous téléphone. I'll return the call back to the floor de retour à la salle. Can I just can I just take a minute here and thank the hardworking journalists of Ottawa who came through that rotten weather this morning. We know who are the ones who are really serious. We know who are the ones who will not be defied by cheap answers and spin, who actually show up. So thank you, thank you, thank you for risking your lives to just come and hear Heather McPherson and myself this morning. Thank you very much. Thank you. Can I just ask a, oh, just a question on a totally different topic? Sure. Canada Water Agency, that was mentioned once again in the throne speech. Do you see the establishment of this new agency as an opportunity to, to, to really tackle this important issue about whether it's water safety, whether it's the future of water given climate change, whether it is, you know, uh, access to clean water in northern communities like yours. Do you have any thoughts on what the mandate of this agency should be? I know I'm putting you on the spot here, but, you know, it seems... Yeah. I, I think what we really have come to understand seeing what happens on the ground is that it doesn't matter how many agencies and commissions Ottawa establishes, unless there's actually powers to ensure uh, accountability, then uh, this will be just another in a long line of failures. When you're looking at communities like Niskandaga, like Attawapiskat, where government can't ensure simple access to clean water 
amidst some of the most beautiful lakes in the world, there's a huge failure. In terms of the climate crisis, water will become uh, one of, I think, the, f the fundamental issues, either from flooding or from drought. I would like to see this energy or this water agency actually have some uh, teeth to be able to launch investigations, to examine where the problems are, and to have accountability mechanisms that they could bring to Parliament in the way that we would say with a, um, one of the parliamentary officers. So if, if the government's willing to do that, which I doubt, uh, we will be fully on board. If it's just another agency, we already got a lot of them. Thank you. We say, should I just buy a plane ticket? Should we just plan on flying? And I'm just wondering, obviously you can't say specifically, but if you had to hedge your bets, if you wanted to go there, would you just buy a plane ticket? Well, all I'm saying is that uh, right now um, we've been able to restore some highway access, but it, the, the main interior route continues to be the number three, and we're prioritizing that for commercial vehicles. So I can't give a date about when that might be reopened to general travel. A lot of this is tied to progress we're trying to make on Highway 5, um, but uh, we will update the public. Um, you know, I, I, I think, I know, I've heard that there are people traveling through the United States to get back into other parts of Canada. There are some ways to get there. Um, we're working with the transportation sector, including the uh, airline industry, to, to look at uh, additional uh, flights from Abbotsford Airport, Vancouver Airport, Victoria, to uh, destinations in the interior of the province. Kelowna, Kamloops, um, and there's lots of regular uh, connections to uh, places like Calgary. Um, the airline industry is obviously interested in seeing what kind of additional regional and holiday uh, service they can provide, so we'll keep updating on what the, uh, the industry uh, is, is doing in terms of adding uh, uh, flights that uh, may be able to help people uh, with their holiday plans. Follow-up, Lisa? Just a quick one to clarify with Minister Farnworth. So we'll hear around the 14th if that gas restriction is going to be extended or not. Is that correct? Uh, the order is in place until uh, the 14th, uh, and we were, are working with uh, TMX, uh, Trans Mountain, and monitoring the situation very closely. Uh, and I think uh, we want to do, uh, uh, we will lift it uh, as soon as we are able. The order expires on the 14th, and if we can lift it sooner, we will uh, lift it sooner. Dirk Meisner, Canadian Press. Hi, um, Minister Farmworth. Can you go over again uh, what you said earlier about the uh, military? There are, are most of them leaving now? Yeah, um, much of the, uh, the Canadian forces are now uh, transitioning uh, to, uh, to back to, uh, to, the, uh, to their uh, traditional uh, uh, and uh, Canadian forces responsibilities. Uh, but there will still be a contingent of about 126 based in Chilliwack that will be on standby to assist uh, in emergency situations. Dirk, do you have a follow-up? Sure. For Minister Farmworth again, when he goes to Merritt tomorrow, uh, what will he uh, tell uh, some of the people who basically looks like their homes are, are destroyed? How, how would you help them? Well, we have uh, been ensuring that emergency support services are there in place. Uh, we put in place the, uh, the $2,000 uh, to assist individuals. We will be uh, working with the local community in terms of repairing the, uh, the infrastructure uh, that has been damaged uh, and working to ensure that we build that community uh, back uh, stronger uh, and better uh, to be better prepared for the, the future. Our last question today is from Tyler Olson, Fraser Valley Current. 
Yeah, thanks. Um, you mentioned Highway 3, and there's been talk about that. Right now, um, you can't tr- travel on Highway 3 to see family or for work. Would you consider broadening the definition of essential travel to allow trips of that nature that maybe don't aren't as uh, discretionary as going to a ski hill, but for many people are uh, quite important to their day, day-to-day lives? Yeah, it's going to be the same answer, Tyler. Highway 3 is is designated now for commercial trucks. We need that vital link to the supply chain that focuses on making it as safe as possible. Uh, we're working with the trucking industry, for example, to, to get to a, a zero accident um, uh, point uh, and uh, working with the industry closely on, on making that uh, safe. We've got winter conditions, enhance the maintenance on Highway 3, but in terms of... Um, uh, uh, opening up the restrictions that are in place to general travel, um, and we, we, we can't do that at this point in time, but we will uh, update uh, communities that can be connected by Highway 3 about uh, whether that uh, essential order will change and, and, and approximately when, but today there's, there's really no timeline on that. For the, for the time being, we need trucks to be able to get through from the lower mainland to the interior and 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 back again. Um, that's that's a critically important thing for people to be able to access goods and uh, also to keep our economy uh, going. There's a lot of um, companies, manufacturers, construction companies, others whose jobs and, uh, uh, and ability to remain open as a business uh, depend on goods getting through uh, Highway Three right now. Do you have a follow-up, Tyler? Yeah, for Minister Farnworth. Uh, does the province need to reassess the allocation of resources in hope, given that the community is a bit of a choke point, and we've seen it often has to deal with unforeseen events with very few resources? We work with uh, communities right across the province uh, in terms of when it comes to dealing with uh, emergency uh, em- emergency measures and the situations that are arriving. Uh, it's one of the c- critical reasons why we are doing the complete overhaul of the Emergency Program Act. Uh, to ensure that it meets the need not just of, uh, of the challenges we're facing now, but uh, climate change challenges uh, that we're going to be facing uh, in the future. Uh, and this is the uh, most significant overhaul of that legislation since 1993. And as I've said before, it, it's uh, all started around uh, us being the first province in this, uh, in this country, along with the federal government, to sign on to the Sendai framework so that we're no longer just focusing on response and recovery, but just as much on prevention and mitigation. Uh, as well as response and recovery. Uh, and so that is going to en- enable us uh, to be doing significantly more uh, in, the, uh, in, the, uh, in the future. And I expect that work has been ongoing. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.